are now listening to the Legends Lingo Podcast, presented by CouchGuysSports.com. Here are your hosts, Al. You didn't ask him about I that long? I was getting there, Beetle. Now, what the holy fuck kind of host are you? I mean, you're Beetle, burying the lead. shit, dude. Someone Chris is... trip, please. Powder. Yes, sir. And Maddie D. Uh, and on top of that, now you have a triple effect. You have... The Niners looking for a long-term answer with Jimmy G in-house. Maybe they don't want to spend the money on Jimmy G. Maybe he gets freed up because they go after a guy like Teddy Bridgewater, who now theoretically could be freed up. So there's a lot of dominoes to fall. Enjoy the show. All right, everybody. Welcome back in Legends Lingo Podcast, episode 150. That's right. We have done 150 of these bad boys. Mm-hmm. As always, presented by Couch Guy Sports, the Couch Guy Sports Network. Alan Hegan here. The whole crew is here tonight. We got Tom Powder Cadmus. We got Maddie Kiwoom. Guys, this needs to become more of a regular thing. Like, I, it, just the fact Definitely. that we can't get together, I just, yeah. I, I miss you when I'm not here. I long for you, boys. I know. I miss you we, too. The feeling is mutual. Oh, yeah. The feeling is very mutual. Uh, Zach Jaziero on with us for the second straight week. We figured we had to bring him on. Pats just played the Bills. Tough Monday night football game. Patriots came away victorious 14 to 10. We're going to get through to all that. Zach, welcome back for a second straight week. What's going on, guys? Long time no see. I played just saw you guys like, you know, not too long ago. <laughs> oh, like seven days ago, you mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, okay, perfect. Yeah. Glad we can do math. But anyways, so as always, Fairly. like we said, the Legend Single Podcast is a part of the Couch Guy Sports Network, but we are sponsored by our friends at Shocked Energy. Ever feel unable to focus, tired, and you're just low on energy? I know that was me today with school, basketball, and everything else in between. We understand that feeling. We understand it so well. The Legend Single Podcast is brought to you once again by our friends at the Couch Guy Sports Network and sponsored by our friends over at Shocked Energy. Shocked Energy is a drink made by gamers for gamers. All their flavors come packed with 180 milligrams of caffeine to ensure that no matter what you're doing, your focus will always be razor sharp to keep you performing at the top of your game. Their formulas are designed to specifically give you high energy boosts when you need it most while ensuring to avoid the jitters after too much caffeine consumption. Head over to shockedenergy.com and use the promo code CGSN for 10% off on your order. That's right, 10 Powder's putting up five fingers on two hands. That means it is equal to 10. Check out their green apple flavor as well as their watermelon flavor. Oh, and don't worry. They ship all over the world. So if you're listening in Asia, Africa, Australia, wherever you listen to this podcast, Shocked Energy ships worldwide. That's right. Worldwide. Get your Shocked Energy today and let us help you gain your energy and focus back. Shockedenergy.com. Promo code CGSN for 10% off. I suggest the watermelon because the watermelon's delicious. But if you like the green apple flavor, we won't complain. I like the green apple flavor, so we got you covered. There you go. One member of the podcast likes the green apple flavor. Powder, break the tie. I have to go watermelon. Good job. Good man. (laughs) As much as I hate agreeing with Al. (laughs) (laughs) You're not the first person. You're not the last person that's going (laughs) to say that. Believe me. But anyways, we got the laughs over with. Now it's time to get to the serious stuff. Obviously, there was a Monday night football game that went on, a divisional game between the New England Patriots and the Buffalo Bills. 25 to like 35 mile an hour wins in Buffalo. It was it was brutal. It was awful. Zach was actually at the game. You're at the game with your mom, right? 
Yes, sir. We sat in the 200 level tunnel side, and that's one of the worst areas to sit if it's the windy day at the game. So it was, it died down actually, like as the game went along. So that's that's good at least. It was. It 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 seemed to be like it was just. It it was all the weather just combined. It was rain. It was wind. It might have been some snow flurries in there. Who knows? But. Patriots came away victorious with a 14 to 10 victory. It was an ugly game. It was a sloppy game. And what you're about to listen to, this is not a misspeak, just so we're clear. The Patriots ran on offense 49 total plays. 46 of them were run plays. Three passes by Mac Jones. Two for three for 19 yards. That was Mac Jones's day. You know, fellas, I, I feel like there's a future in this future past thing. <laughs> really? There's I a think future. so. I there... never seen it before, but now I've seen it three times. I'm, I'm in. Sign me up. <laughs> Who are you trying to impersonate right there? Old timey, maybe? I don't know. I like I it. I like it. No, I liked it. I just, I didn't know who you were trying to do. I I'll was tell like, you, like, say, like one of those type of things, I guess. <laughs> like a southerner, like a southern southerner, yeah, trying to. Oh, for sure. Not even, not even a question. So again, that's not misspeaking. The Patriots literally ran the ball 46 times. Now here's kind of my opening take on this game. The Patriots, as good as their defense was, as good as their running game was, here's something I want you to think about. The Patriots rushed the ball 46 times for 64 yards, or sorry, 46 times for 222 yards. I believe that was the final stat. Take away Damian Harris's 64-yard touchdown run. That's 45 attempts, 158 yards. That's a little over three yards of carry. It's it's good, but it's not like out of this world good. So doing Bills win the game, I can tell you that much. That's that's very true. Zach, oh Zach, you're gonna get your time. Don't you worry, buddy. Well, Don't you sure, worry. I can't wait to vent even some more. Oh, I did mm-hmm. that enough on my podcast earlier today. Now you can do it here again. It'd be. The Buffalo's sport, Sports Podcast, BFLO Podcast. Like and subscribe to it. Appreciate you, boss. Got you. So, I just – I'm so perplexed at this offensive game plan. Now, running into – like, throwing into the wind, I understand. First and third quarter, Patriots were going down the field into the wind, fine. You want to run the ball? At will, go for it. But the second and fourth quarters, you had the wind to your back. So why – I'm wondering what went through Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniel's head having Mac throw the ball once in the first half and twice in the second half. I, I just – I don't get it. I don't know if you guys were perplexed by it. I don't know what your thoughts were. How about this? I just want to hear your guys' thoughts on the game itself, just everything involved, and that we'll let our resident Buffalo Bills fan – Get his two cents in. So, oh, I can't wait for this. Let's start with Powder, then we'll go to Maddie, and then we'll let Zach have his uh, his minute or two rant. So, Powder, kick us off. So, basically, one of the reasons why maybe they ran is because even though obviously it was hard to throw the ball, they probably just, like I said last week, keep the ball in the Patriots' hands, control the clock, and by running the ball 46 times, you're every time you run it, the clock just keeps ticking, and the less time you Buffalo has to have the ball, the less chances they have to score. It's, so that's probably what their game plan was. And maybe just 
they didn't feel confident in the way Mac was throwing the ball pregame or something and ball was not he was not accurate pregame or something like that and but if the run game was working all game why not stick with it and find and they found a way to win so I'm not going to complain too much so before we go to Maddie Powder let me ask you this did you like the fact that they kept running the ball or do you wish personally they threw a little more like obviously yes I would like to see him pass it a little bit more but to me if it's not broke don't fix it right that's exactly no right on that's exactly what I was thinking if it's not broke don't even try to fix it. So, all right. All right, Mr. DeRozier, what do you got? Basically, McDaniels and Belichick played a game of chicken against the Bills, and the Bills never forced them to turn off the road. They just kept running it and running it and running it. And the funny part about those three pass attempts, one was downfield, and it took a spectacular leaping catch to be completed. One was broken up, and one was a screen. So they really only took any type of chance one time. Uh, it's just crazy that, that they were able to come out victorious, but they just kept daring the Bills to make them throw, and the Bills weren't up for the challenge. So uh, do I like it in terms of uh, entertainment? No. But do I like it in terms of game planning and just Bill Belichick enforcing his team's will upon the division rival? Yeah, I loved it. That that hurts a little bit for our for our Buffalo guy, Zach, here. I'm used to it at this point. It's just, it's just like nothing. It's like a Fresh, a breath of fresh air just keeps on coming and coming or like waves it. But Zach, you know I'm a big Stefan Diggs guy. I love me some Stefan well, Diggs. Now I know that. I, I do too. <laughs> I, I, I do like Diggs. I wish I'm a big Stefan Diggs fan. Actually, fun fact when he was at, when I think it was when the Vikings were trying to trade him, it was down to the Bills and the Patriots for, mm-hmm. for Diggs. Mm-hmm. So yeah. if he didn't become a Buffalo Bill, he could have very realistically been in the right. Patriots. Mm-hmm. which is very interesting. All right, Zach, for a minute or two, the floor is yours. Vent away your Bill's frustration. Okay. Might take more than two minutes, just warning you now, but I'll try as best as I can. We'll give you two to three minutes then. Go ahead. Okay, deal. I mean, where do I start? Where do I start with them last night? The defense was okay. I mean, yeah, they got their asses raining all over them. There's no denying that. And then the Matt Breida fumble cost us a game, essentially, if you think about it, because they don't fumble it. I mean, you obviously can't predict what happened to the Bills if he didn't fumble it. But just basing off of what happened last night, we who knows? And then the two-point conversion, too. That was smart by Belichick's part as well. And then I don't want to – I don't like using the referees as an excuse, and I'm not going to just say it. I mean, yeah, there were a couple of calls that could have gone our way, but you know what? It happened, so I'm not going to use that as an excuse. But what I'm trying to say is the Bills shot themselves in the foot. They had so many so many chances to capitalize. They Stephon Diggs dropped that ball in the end zone, a ball that he catches nine out of ten times, and unfortunately the 1% happened last night. And then the running game is just frustrating. It really is, like – they had one good play that was 17 yards in the fourth quarter, I think it was. Right. And then they were one for four in the, red, in the red zone, and the only time was on that muff punt by – was it Bourne or – I'm not sure who was his opponent. Uh, Nikhil Harry. Nikhil yeah, Harry, Harry when he hit yeah. his face mask. Yeah. That was it. They couldn't capitalize on any more changes. And then the Bass field goal attempt. If Bass makes that field goal where he missed it, you're not forcing Allen to throw on third and fourth and 14. Like, you're just going for a field goal, and you take the lead, and who knows what happens after that. 
I'm just I just don't have the words to describe this team right now. Like, and now you're going now you have to go up to down to Tampa Bay to face Daddy Tom Brady in, in the defending Super Bowl champion. And so great, lovely. I will say this though. Go ahead, no, no, go ahead. I really finish, thought finish. I really thought they were gonna win. I really did. And I just want to have a self-brag. I was the closest one to predict the score last week, just saying. You were. No, you were 100%. And I will say this, and I, I'm not afraid to admit this. There were about three, four times in that game where I was texting my family or texting people within Couch Guy, and I was like, yeah, I think they're going to lose this game. Like, they, they, they're, the Bills were driving. They were going right down the field, cutting through the Patriots like butter. And, Zach, tell me if you agree with this statement. I think your best rushing option is Josh Allen. I'm not disagreeing with you. I, agree I think with that's you fair. Right. It is. Um. <laughs> You have a 250-pound quarterback. Why not just use him more? I get it. You don't want to hurt him. And us Bills fans have been saying that the last how many years now. Like, stop Brian Josh only if you absolutely need to. But he's like a freaking monster truck when he's running half of the time. Like, he just keeps barreling through the fenders. And then he's doing a hurdle over linebackers and safeties. I don't know. Um I'm still a little aggravated, as you guys can tell. I am a little aggravated about last night. Like I said, I was really confident they were going to win that game. I obviously didn't want to be too cocky and say, like, oh, we got the, we're going to win this game and all that. But I just had a feeling like you're playing your home stadium. Like on Monday Night Football, the whole entire world is watching you. And then you get 10 points. And one of those touchdowns was because of a muff punt. Like, you're not gonna be. You're not gonna win the division or be in the top four in the AFC if you're gonna be doing those kind of mistakes. So let me ask you this, Zach, and then we'll kind of touch everything with Patriots, Bills, and everything else. Are you worried about the Bills going into the final four games of the season? Five yes games. Sorry, no. five games. Five games. Yes and no. And let me tell you why it's fifty-fifty. No, why the yes? You have, like I said, you have Brady coming up this weekend. That's going to be probably um, where you – isn't it your guys' bye week this week? Anyways? It is, yep. Patriots bye I'm week. Sure. So we will not be just programming note. We will not be doing a preview. We will do the preview for the Colts game next week. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that will be on in, the, in your guys' area. So it's going to be – it's probably going to be like one of the top three games on CBS because I know Jim Nance and Tony Romo are calling it. So I'm sure it will be up there in the top. So I'm sure you guys will be able to see it. But then – so you have the Patriots – well, you are you do have the Patriots coming up. But it's the Buccaneers. It's going to be a tough game, no no, about, no doubt about that. And then you have the Panthers, who you should be able to beat. And I say should because you can't beat the one-win one Jacksonville Jaguars. So, yeah, should. And then you got the Patriots again in their house. Hopefully the water's a lot better than it was down here last night. And then you have – the Jets and the Falcons. I'm not sure if I'm missing someone else, but um, yeah, it's a yes and no. Like, if they can somehow beat the Buccaneers and the Patriots, they're in good shape because I do think they can, again, I do think, quote-unquote, should, should, beat the um, Panthers and the Jets and the Falcons. So, like I said, yes and no. Um, the running defense is going to need to step up especially with Leonard Fournette now. Like, he's a battering ram. He will make you look really dumb like you guys did to us last night. But, uh, yes, and like I said, so 
we'll see what happens. I still believe in them. I still think they're I still think they're a playoff team. I just last night was really a gun punch when it comes to the division. So, and I agree, and, and I'm not saying this in a mean way. I'm saying it is a gut punch because if you lose that Tampa Bay game, Patriots are nine and four, Bills are going to be seven and six. You got yeah. four games left. And then essentially, if the Patriots were to beat the Bills again, and then the Patriots move to 10 and, um, or actually, no, because they play the Colts first. But essentially, if you're 10 and if the Patriots are 10 and four, and the Bills are eight and six, and they come into Gillette. Basically, if the Patriots win, Patriots win the division. Because they'll be three games up with two left. So it won't even matter at that point as far as the division goes. So now this can kind of go to our Patriots fans, back to our Patriots guys, the main hosts. And Zach, feel free to chime in on this if you want. You know, Patriots stand at nine and four. They have the bye week. They're at Indianapolis, home against Buffalo, home against Jacksonville, at Miami. So this is a two-parter. And let's start with the first part. What do you realistically see the Patriots record being in those last four games? Let's start with Maddie. I think it's realistic to think that they're 4-0, 3-1. Uh, you know, th- this four-game stretch, uh, Tennessee, ba- Buffalo, Indianapolis, Buffalo, they're 2-0 to start. And, you know, going into it, if we would have said, you know, we'd be okay with 2-2, two and two, I think that was kind of the consensus. So, I mean, the fact that they're already starting 2-0, they're coming out of the bye, and you know how good Bill Belichick is out of the bye, setting up for a big game against the Bills at home. And what does make it a lot tougher for the Bills is the Patriots have two cupcakes kind of at the end too, Jacksonville, Miami. I mean, Miami's playing better, but, uh, you know, it's not like they're play- going up against the the, the, the ironclads of, of, of the league. So, uh, you know, I think it's realistic for them to run the table. Uh, would I bet on that? No, you never really bet on that. So I'll say three and one to be safe. Powder? Yeah, I have to agree with that. I think, like Matt said, coming off a bye, you know, Belichick is going to get the Patriots ready for the Colts and ramped up for the other games after the bye. So I didn't see him going 4-0. But, yeah, like Matt said, you don't want to bet on them going on a left – finishing the season on 11-game winning streak. Like, it's possible, but don't don't want to bet on it. So I would say 3-1, maybe lose – I don't know, maybe have a fluke game in Miami like they had every year with Tom Brady pretty much. That fluke crappy game in Miami where they play like dog crap because they're used to 35-degree weather and it's 75. Right. Something crazy always happens in Miami. I think I think three – here's the thing. I think two and two is very realistic. I think three and one is is perfect. And I think four and oh is is gravy on top. I really do. I think it's a case where if you can take care of business against Indy, that's the big thing. And I'm not going to call it the biggest game of the year because I think the Buffalo game in Buffalo was the biggest game of the year. You know, and the thing is, like, you take a look at some of these other teams' schedule, and this is going to lead into my next question. So you have the Patriots that are the one seed. I believe it's Baltimore 2, Tennessee 3. Give me one second. I'll confirm that. And then it's Kansas City 4. And then for the last three spots, it's Bills, Chargers, Bengals. So it's Patriots, Tennessee, Baltimore, KC, LA, Chargers, Bengals, Buffalo. Oh, Buffalo is down seven. Takes. Sorry, Zach. And I actually didn't know that. But okay, so seven playoff teams in that order. 
you take a look at it, right? The Patriots have the tiebreaker against Tennessee. So keep the same record. You're fine there. Baltimore, if you take a look at their, their schedule, this is Baltimore's remaining schedule. They're at Cleveland, home against the Packers, at Cincinnati, home against the Rams, home against the Steelers. That's not an easy schedule to end the year at all. I would even say that's very, very hard. So if you lose one or two more games, if you're Baltimore, you're not getting that one seed. So I guess this is the question. And again, Zach, feel free to to jump in on this. You can pass if you would respectfully like to. And then we'll move on to some actual uh, MLB talk. Who is the team in the East that you think could be the biggest – I don't want to say contender because I don't think contender is the right word. Who's the biggest threat to the Patriots in the AFC? I think it's the LA Chargers. They're playing great football. Their quarterback looks otherworldly at the moment. He just keeps racking up 300-yard games. And their two tough games are at home, and they have a lot of cupcake games on the road. They could realistically run the table. Okay. So we got the Chargers from Maddie. Who do you got, Powder? Um, I'd say the Chargers are maybe – I'm trying to look at the Chiefs' schedule right now because right now they – I think the Chiefs I saw – the Chiefs are – they are 8-4, and four, so they've had their bye. So the Chiefs have Raiders, Chargers, Steelers, Bengals, and Broncos. So actually they don't have an easy schedule. So, yeah, I'd have to agree with Maddie. Probably the Chargers might be the one team that could maybe dethrone the Patriots from the one seed. But, um, yeah, if the Patriots can go 3-1, and one, I think they realistically will get the one seed. And I will say this, too. If Buffalo rebounds at Tampa, I think they completely right the ship, and I think they're as much as dangerous as we thought they were before this past game. Uh, I do worry unraveling could happen when you see yourself competing for the division for the one seed to then fall potentially out of the picture in a week. Um, you know, and some of those disheartening losses can pile up on a, on a young team like that. But like I said, if they come out and play well on Sunday at Tampa, they're right back in it. They're so dangerous. Josh Allen will keep them in any football game, and they're very good, very good defense. So I'll say this real quick, and then, Zach, if you want to chime in, please feel free. Um, I still think it's the Chiefs. I, I know that there's a lot of question marks and everything. I know they have a tough schedule, but you know what? This is a team that's won the AFC two years in a, two years in a row. They've won a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. They have playoff experience. I know Patrick Mahomes hasn't had his typical Patrick Mahomes MVP type season, but they're a team that I still fear, especially that offense in the playoffs. You know, now that's not to say that Bill Belichick couldn't come up with a game plan to stop Kansas City because even last year when the Patriots stunk, they held the the Chiefs to 19 points. They just didn't yeah. have a quarterback. So. Bill Belichick can shut down good offenses, and this defense is very good and good enough to shut down and slow down high-potent offenses. But I still think the Chiefs are that team. I don't buy Baltimore. I I think they're frauds. I'll call Baltimore frauds until they win something because they don't make it past the divisional round every single year. Tennessee, I think Derrick Henry, it's going to come back to bite them in the playoffs, even if they get Julio back and A.J. Brown back and everybody else. And then – you know, the Bills, I still think maybe can make a run. And I'm not just saying that because Zach's on here. I think they could. The Chargers, yeah. I still don't buy because I think Herbert's too streaky. And then you have, who's the other team? Cincinnati? Pfft, forget it. I don't buy Cincinnati either. They're, I think they're a year or two away. So, I don't know. Like, 
guys, I hate to say this, but the Patriots might get the one seed. Yeah. They might. Mm-hmm. Zach, any final thoughts before we round out our NFL talk? No, I agree with you, Al. I do think the Patriots are best in the AFC. Let me tell you why. Well, let's start with the teams you guys mentioned. Baltimore lost to Miami. So, I mean, any given Sunday, they're still a good team, but they don't, they're not like blowing me away with their play. Kansas City, same thing. Um, I know they're, it looks like they're starting to pick up a little bit of steam now, but do we, do I trust Mahomes going to Fox? Assuming you guys win the win, the one seed, right? Do I, with that good defense, I'm not sure if I, I mean, you're going to have JC Jackson on Tyreek Hill. So that's going to be a good matchup right there. If again, assuming that's the matchup. And probably with M- McCordy or Phillips shading. Probably. Yeah. And then Cincinnati doesn't scare me. They almost got blown out and it took like almost the last, last to ever come back as the chargers. The chargers are good, but I don't, they're, they don't scare me at all. And then uh, who was their team that I left out? Tennessee. I don't, especially after what, what you guys did to them. I know it wasn't like a blowout game. Well, was it a blowout game? I forgot the Yeah, 36-13. Okay, yeah. I like. I know it was close for like a little bit, but like after in the second half, it just went away then. Right. And then just the Bills, like it depends on what team you're going you're to get. Like, are you going to get the – I said this, I think you guys – I said the same thing exactly last week too. It depends on what team you're going to get. Are you going to get the high-flying offense and that dominant defense at the same time? Or are you going to get both – on their off days, or is it going to be one or the other? So I don't know. This team is so inconsistent. I it sucks because I had such high hopes, and who wouldn't have high hopes for the Bills? They had an excellent season last year, mm-hmm. Super Bowl contenders, and now they are seven five, and they are one loss away from going seven six and out of the playoff picture. So I don't know. I mean, I hope obviously as a Bills fan, I hope they can make a late run for you, for the Patriots because. That game, like I said, they needed that. That was a must-win game for the Bills. It's it's a cliche, obviously, but it was a must-win for Patriots too to prove that this team's legit. So, but just as for the Bills' case, like they needed that game at home. I'm, I'm gonna tell you this, and I'll, we'll move on to the MLB. The Jaguars and Steelers games are gonna come come back and cost this team, whether it's now or at the end of the season. Especially against the Jacksonville, against the Jags, that game's going to cost them big time. I just have a feeling that's going to come back to get them. Very well, could Zach. And you know what? This NFL season is going to be interesting. By the way, nobody, mm-hmm. just real quick, nobody talks about this. The Miami Dolphins have won five straight. Mm-hmm. They don't scare. They Nobody's don't scare talking about that. And guess what? Well, I mean, their schedule isn't necessarily easy. They're home against the Jets, which should be a win. But then they're at New Orleans, at Tennessee, home against New England. So, I don't know. I'm just saying, if the Patriots had lost, everybody would be talking about Miami and be like, hey, Miami's creeping up. But I still think Miami, I, I still don't buy them either. Tua does not scare me whatsoever. Even no. when we play them, like, he doesn't scare me whatsoever. You know what else doesn't scare me, Zach? What's that? Knowing when I need to just relax and just – have a massage me last night <laughs> well zach i can tell you a place that can help you with an at-home massage if that helps good luck with that but go on tell me anyways 
Well, the Legends Legal Podcast is brought to you also by our friends at ExoGun. Have you ever done a workout and feel like you need a massage right after? Well, get that massage without having to leave your house. Don't let pain and soreness slow you down anymore. ExoGun revives muscle, boosts circulation, and releases energy so you can recover faster and live better. ExoGun is portable, adjustable, powerful, and trusted by the pros to deliver the ultimate in recovery experience. Gain back control of your body and achieve long-term pain relief with ExoGun. Get 10% off with the code CGS10, CGS10 at checkout. Comes with a charger and a carrying case. Go get your ExoGun today and treat yourself to a massage at a moment's notice. Shout out to our friends at ExoGun. But we are going to move on. We're going to do quick MLB, quick NHL little tidbit, and then we're going to head out of here for the week. Uh, MLB, the lockout's going on. Ugh, stinks. But supposedly the Red Sox are interested in two players, one of them being an infielder, one of them being an outfielder. First one, you might have heard of him. Colorado Rockies shortstop, Trevor Story. Pretty good player. Pretty mm-hmm. good player. Pretty good That's player. a name. That's a little intriguing. And then Seiya Suzuki. Yep. I believe I said that right. Um, what league, Powder? See, from the NPB. NPB? Okay. Mm-hmm. So the Neopon Professional Baseball League, right? Mm-hmm. That what it is? Okay. So – Another international superstar looking to come to the States. Red Sox supposedly are very, very interested. So let me ask you guys this first. Let's talk about Suzuki first. Is this a name that we really think can come in here and really do something? They say he has a ton of power, good swing for Fenway. Do we want to see another outfielder? I'm in. He shows versatility. He can play the infield as well. And you know the Red Sox. They love that versatility. And now after trading Hunter Renfro – they may have an opportunity for a lot of at-bats in the outfield if they, you know, they can easily flex Kiki to the infield or whatnot. And I, I'm a big fan of the, the, the big superstars that come over from the, the, the NPB. They, you know, they have a long track record of, you know, hits and misses, but I tend to like the games and I think they translate well 27. So he's in that perfect, you know, peak uh, prime, if you will, for power and immaturity and all that stuff in baseball. So I'm in for Suzuki. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I'd have to agree. Just if you asked me this a week ago, I might not like you as much having Renfro, but now getting JBJ back and um, having Renfro gone, I think it opens up, like Maddie said, more bats in the outfield. And Red Sox love versatility. That's why Kike was such a huge pickup for them this past year. So I think Hamson, who can play kind of all over the field, helps because he can find it bad. Someone wants a day off. You can slide him into that position, and then, and then if he has a home in like let's say right field, then that's fine too. All right, Zach. This still baffled that we traded Hunter Renfro for Jackie Bradley Jr. Still, it's been a week, and I'm still confused by it. But that's not what we're talking about here. Um, I don't know. It's a tough question to answer because we're already loaded up. Well, I shouldn't say loaded up, but. Assuming we bring back Kyle Schwarber, then what? Like, Schwarber plays the outfield here and there. So does JD, but he'll mostly be the DH. So, I mean, I'm always open to have new talent come in. I just don't know where they would use him. Because, especially with Kike, I know he can play second and center or wherever he is in the outfield. Um I don't know. And then with JBJ too and Verdugo. Like, I mean, 
I'm open to it. I just don't know where, where he would fit. That's all. Yeah, I don't know what the deal is with Suzuki. I mean, if it, it's kind of one of those meh things to me. Like, if they sign him, great. If they don't, whatever. Now, what about Trevor Story? And if you move Bogarts to second, would you yes, want that? Please. Yes, please. Yes, definitely. If if you don't if you don't if you lose on Correa, go get Story, because yeah. right, you you lost Correa, who was a good, very good shortstop. We saw that firsthand in the ALCS. But you lose that fine, but you know what? Don't ponder and go out there and sign Trevor Story because I'm not sure you guys know this, but he's a pretty good shortstop as well. Mm-hmm. And you move Bogart to second base, and this infield's okay. So Bobby Dalback lives up to the hype where we all know, where we all thought he would. You have Bogey at second. I know that fielding for Boston hasn't been that good last year, but if they figure it out with Bogart's story endeavors, that's a really solid infield guys. That's like a world series caliber infield right there. Yeah. The only problem is though, we saw the errors that mostly Devers made last year. He's inconsistent. Like Devers makes some good plays and then just flops on them. Right. But if you can get Trevor story and have your infield play good, it's one of the best infielders in ba- infields in baseball. It really is, if you think about it for a minute. So I'll say this really quick. I think I think Story would be a good fit. I think if you put him at short and you put Bogarts at second, I mean, it makes your infield better. You have more power in the lineup. Having said that, I do want to talk about this other trade that we just forgot to talk about, which I was like, okay, until I realized it. Hunter Renfro got traded. Yep. We didn't talk about this. I forgot about it. The Red Sox trade Hunter Renfro to the Brewers for two prospects, and Jackie Bradley Jr. is back. So Still. I think you guys know my reaction. If you, if anybody's listened to this and knows my feelings about Jackie Bradley Jr. But I want to ask you guys first. Like, I want to know what what goes on first. I think we lost him. Yeah. So kind of pick up where Al left off um, with the Hunter Renfro trade. <clears throat> what are your guys' thoughts on the Hunter Renfro trade? Obviously, I think all three of us can agree we were shocked, but what were your thoughts after kind of getting over the shock? After I got over the shock, I looked more and more into it. I actually I kind of like it, to be honest. Uh, I'm not a big Hunter Renfro long-term type of guy. I think the 31 home runs was great, but we saw kind of him fall off towards the end. And I don't think that's a, sta- a sustainable uh, number there. And if your plan as a Red Sox you know, team builder was to have him be your fourth outfielder, yeah. why not get a prospect like a guy who was just taken in the third round and who, you know, the guy that they got there, the, the big one, the big prospect that they got back and then go ahead and retool, whether it be Story, whether it be Suzuki, whether it be Schwarber or a combination of two. However you want to build it, you can. But I think this gives them flexibility both in the minors and on the big league roster. Did everybody say they're JBJ piece? Um, just me. Yeah, just yeah, just- All right, you two, you two, Zach and Powder, fight it out because then I'm going to say mine. Then we're going to move into the last topic for the night. Yeah. Zach, you can go if you want. Yeah, Um. I already touched on it before, but I'm still a little confused by it. But you know, I I personally like JBJ. 
I just wish that his bad num- numbers would be much better because we all know how good he is in the outfield. Like he's spectacular in the outfield. He made, I still remember that catch they made against Baltimore where he like jumped over the fence, like Superman fashion, caught the ball. Um, but yeah, like kind of like what you said, Maddie, about Renfro tailing off. Like he did, he did not look like the same player we saw in the regular season. Like he was getting those, he was just crushing those balls out of Fenway in the in the regular season, and then he just decided to go to sleep. But then again, so the entire team, especially in the last two games of the series against Houston. But um, you know what? I'm a guy who wants to stay positive on things like. I hate to bring this this sport into a conversation, but when the Sarah trade Eichel, like, you know, it obviously sucks losing the lead player, but you know what? It's time for change. Let's see what these new guys can do. So that's just my take on it. Um, We'll see what happens though. Hopefully Jackie Bradley has a good year. I know Al has mixed emotions about JBJ because I've heard it before on the Into the Triangle podcast, but um, yeah, you don't want to talk about Al. But um, no, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens this year. I mean, I get the move, but why are we doing it? Like, why are we going through this again? Why are we bringing back a guy that hit 163 in the National League last year? Why are we doing this? Uh, like, I know. Go ahead. Just kind of going away from Jackie Bradley Jr. I'm looking at Alex Belines or however you say his last name. Benias or whatever. I, I his this year in the minor leagues between rookie ball and A ball in 159 play appearance at 309 like i don't care what level i've heard from many people that the hardest levels to hit at are rookie ball and a ball because just there's everybody's throwing 102 miles per hour having no idea where it goes you win 309 you know what with a little bit of pop nine home runs 12 11 doubles like i in high bloom i think he sees prospects in like nick pavetta who would have known? Like, obviously, he wasn't perfect, but he was pretty damn good for the Red Sox. Mm. So, you never know. Like, I think Heim Bloom, yeah, maybe getting Jackie Bradley for a defensive replacement late in games in the outfield. But I think having – you never know. This minor leaguer could turn out to be someone good for the Red Sox. And he could – Oh, sorry, yeah. No, no, you're good. Just real quick. I mean, he could be, but the thing is, like, I'm concerned right now about the Jackie Bradley Jr. piece. Yeah, he can play center field. Great. But he can't hit. If, if the only reason you brought him back is for his defense, fine, whatever. But, like, the, the hitting aspect, you know what you're going to get. You're going to get, if you're lucky at the best, you're going to get a 220 hitter. You don't need that in your lineup. But I digress. Zach, go ahead. Then we're going to do real quick final topic of the night. You guys haven't said a name at all, too, that I completely forgot about until now. Jaron Duran. What's going to happen with him? That's Where true. We, we have – so just to recap, we have Jackie Bradley, Jackie Bradley Jr. now, uh, Jaron Duran, Alex Verdugo, uh, Kike Hernandez, you know, specialty guy, utility guy, um, and JD Martinez, and depending on what happens Kyle Schwarber. So, and if they signed this guy from where does he play? Japan, right? Is that where he so, plays? Yeah. Yeah. Um, what's going to happen there? You know what I mean? It's it's loaded right now. Especially with with Duran, you know, with or without him, like, you know, what's loaded is A and B Burgers because A and B Burgers has a ton of good food, good prices, mm-hmm. a lot of TVs. And Powder will tell us about that really quick. The Matty D has a quick question before we head out for the night. So go ahead, Powder. 
Yep, I can tell you about A&B Kitchen Bar and A&B Burgers. A&B Kitchen and Bar is located in Boston on Causeway Street, right across from the TD Garden. They are the newest spot to meet up before after a game for dinner and drinks. Offering elevated take on traditional New England pub menu of freshly made in-house dishes like chicken pot pie, meatloaf made with a gankly raised beef from Naaman Ranch, local clams and inloid sausage, or locally caught fish and chips. Draft beers from area breweries like Gentile Brewery and Beverly Mass, Lord Hobo, and Notch pair perfectly as well. Looking for a patio dining A&B kitchen has a raised patio with spectacular views of the garden and the Zaycom Bridge. And with heaters, you can enjoy the outdoor seating for an extended season. Also, 32 feet of open garage doors along Causeway Street and 16 feet along Beverly Street. You're able to sit inside but have all the benefits of open air dining experience without um, all the elements. Don't have tickets, but want to watch a game amongst fans. A&B is a place with nine installed 70-inch TVs. There isn't anywhere inside that you cannot say you do not have the best seat in the house. Open Monday through Sunday at 3 p.m. And if there's a day game, they open at 11 a.m. And like I said last week, this Sunday, both A&B Kitchen and Bar and Boston A&B um, Burgers and Beverly are having a gingerbread making um, day. And I think there's very limited spots left. So if you want to get in on some gingerbread house making, get um, reserve email or DM A and B um, their Instagram, and you should be able to get a reservation for it. Let's do it, Al. Love it. Let's do, Let's it. do it. Let's do it. Um, Maddie DeRozier, you had a question for us about Tuka Rask practicing potentially with the Bruins, maybe a little comeback, comeback, so to speak. But Maddie, I want to hear your little tidbit on Tuka Rask. So go ahead. So my question to you fellas is this, if the pride of Anchorage, Alaska, Jeremy Swayman, who played well last year is on the roster and the Bruins brass had any type of inclination that, that Tuka would be back in some sort of capacity by this year's end. Why would you give, all mark a four year $20 million deal. Uh, can I just say something and I'll let you guys discuss it? Yeah, go ahead. I to be to, in their defense, Maddie, I wonder if they didn't know Tuka wanted to come back. To be honest with you, I thought they, he was done for, or maybe they thought he was done for. And are you just like asking in general or just like in the sense of Tuka coming back about all mark? I'm just my question is you're not pushing out the guy you just gave a four year deal to you'd be pushing out the young guy who's been playing well so why would they put themselves in such a bad corner in terms of the goaltending position yeah I just feel like maybe like they didn't know about Tuca um, um they must you... have had some sort of idea if they're going to jump on it the second he's healthy like I don't understand how you could have such a lack of foresight to at least put this in the in the equation I know. Oh, sorry. No, no, you're good. Just real quick. I think they thought that injury was going to be till at least into January. So I don't know. I don't know why you gave him a four year deal. Now, I think if you gave Allmark a one year deal, you could just really easily cut ties right. And, right. and say, see you later. And then you go with Swayman, you go with Rass, just like you had last year. Mm-hmm. And you Back. should go with it. You're better with Tuka Rass. The people that aren't Tuka Rass people, Jared Scally, I'm talking to you. Love you, but I'm calling <laughs> you out. It, the, the Bruins are better with Tuka Rask. They are. He's the best goaltender in pretty much team history. 
So in terms of like wins and everything else. So please spare me the, the comments that the Bruins are not a better team with him on this roster. So spare me. That's the only take that I really have. Yeah. And I, you know, the question isn't brought up because I'm an anti rascal guy. I, I I'm totally okay with him coming back. My, my thought is how could you give a veteran four years, 5 million per to then create a log jam in which you're going to force out one of the better young goalies in hockey. I imagine. You can trade back here to us if you want to. Just saying, we need a goaltender right now. Just, That'd be cool. Take I'm, him. Take I'm just putting it out there right now. Do we it. need Let's do this it. back. Zach and Maddie Kiwum are making a trade for an NHL squad. Let's I do like it. it. Let's, Let, go. let's get on. Um, Send over whatever. I don't even know. Don what, Sweeney what, on the phone right now. All right, Powder's puck takes. What do you got? Um, I have to agree with you guys. Basically, like I don't know, the Bruins didn't truly see Tuka coming back this year or. Maybe they, I don't know, want to push someone to be better at this point, seeing Toku come back. But um, I am kind of shocked by it, seeing that why would you give um, a goaltender four years, $20 million, if you're not going to, if you're just going to throw him out to throw him out once another goaltender comes back. So. More than happy to take him back. I just do the thing and send my way. I'll be right here. <laughs> All right. That's where we're going to leave it. Bruins, we'll see if they can figure it out. Celtics, they're, 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 the, they're the most consistently inconsistent team that I've ever seen. It, just, <laughs> it is what it is. Are they the uh, least? They must be the least likable team in New England right now. A thousand percent. Yeah. Easily. Easily. And, and I want to talk about that next week. But yeah. remember, rate, review, and subscribe to the Legend Single Podcast on excuse me, excuse me, on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and everywhere else, Anchor, everywhere else in between. Check out Zach's podcast, Buffalo Sports Podcast, BFLO Sports Podcast, on Spotify and on Anchor as well. Otherwise, Zach, thank you for joining us again this week. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. It was a lot of fun. Always. 150th episode in the books. We got Zach, Jeziero. We got Tom Powder Cadmus. And Maddie DeRozier. I'm your host, Alan Hegan. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe again to Legend Single Podcast. Check out everything. CouchGuysports.com, blogs, podcasts, uh, YouTube channel, Twitch channel, everything else in between. We'll see you next week for episode 151. Yes, sir.